Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about thank you, dear listener, but your podcast is in another castle. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we're going to be talking about history building, managing factions, and making the world feel lived in. So James, play any games lately? Um, hmm. feel like there was one. There may have been. I feel like there was actually two. Two. <laughs> that Sunday we spent we we spent we a lot of time recorded a game of masks. Yeah, which we're very excited about. But it took us from about one in the afternoon till yeah. about six. Yeah. So that we was... recorded for a long time, and it was easy 85 degrees oh yeah my basement in the room my house is not air conditioned and my basement which is like semi underground and one of the walls is made of brick which usually stays pretty cool when you put six people in it does not stay cool for too long when we went upstairs to get more ice and water uh i saw the heat up there was 83 degrees and it felt like going from i'm gonna say hell yeah into like a cool autumn day yeah and yeah. the upstairs of the house is usually much hotter than the basement yeah so let's but just not six people do that again recently six people six mics yeah it was a hot mic and a lot of love yeah so that will be coming soon yeah so let's not even talk about it no, too much just, just because people are gonna hear it you're gonna hear it yeah um so At protean city yeah yeah <laughs> go follow i'm posting useless junk <laughs> So we went, we asked some people some questions about what they wanted to to talk about in the in our Discord, and we got a couple of answers, and and they're all going to probably become some of them were already episodes. Um, but so we're going to talk about uh, like world building stuff. We're going to talk about um, kind of like nation level politics. How do you play pen and paper games where the your characters or, or the the players are playing nations, or the characters that they're playing are in control of nations or gangs or some sort of large organization? And then how do you like move those around? How do you have them interact with each other? And and then maybe sort of um, if you're not playing those types of characters, but you're just yeah. sort of playing small scale characters, how do you have nation scale factions that are moving around? in a way that feels realistic and dangerous yeah. around them in this world to make it feel lived in. Yeah, so I actually have a little bit of experience. I, I believe that the best kind of experience is when you roll a miss and then you get to mark towards your advance. Mm-hmm. And so I had a very large miss with trying to do this. That I got a crew of people together, made them make level 5 D&D characters mm-hmm. to be their adventurers, and make level 10 D&D characters to be nobles that were doing political machinations around the world. And it was supposed to be set up with like online stuff for the nobles and then like getting together and playing the games and precisely zero uh, moments, seconds of role playing ever happened. Yeah. So I think I'm pretty much an expert on this because I've failed in the most spectacular way possible. Because uh, I actually did drag a couple of people through character creation, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Was that the thing I was involved in? Yes. I don't think that you ended up making a character for it. I think some. I think one or two people did. I remember you did it like a. It was like the 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 breaking of the world thing, and then we all came, and it was all about us coming back together, and we played. Oh, I've re- done this twice. <laughs> I- <laughs> uh, and I remembered. I remember just having character like characters that represented factions within yeah. this new civilization. Yeah. Uh, and we did I remember doing a quite a bit of in character blog blogging. Yeah, that that one we did get a good amount of in character blogging. That was my second incarnation okay. trying to do the okay. same thing. Um where I was like, "Oh no, I set I set everything too high." And that was actually the one that I had named individual NPCs because uh. literally all of the NPCs that people had kind of some strings on were the ones that existed because it was world breaking sort of okay, thing. Yeah. You're right. I've 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 done this twice. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe a third time. Yeah. Fool me once. <laughs> Shame on you. Okay. So what did you learn from that? What did what did you try and what like let's start with what didn't work. So there were definitely a, several things that didn't work. Um one of them was that I was trying to 
I was trying to use playing games online as a one-for-one replacement to playing games in person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about playing the games online, like setting up Roll20 or getting into a Hangouts. I'm talking play-by-post. Yeah. And I actually really enjoy play-by-post. And I actually have a play-by-post account on a couple of different websites and do play-by-post on a semi-regular basis. But not everyone who likes to play RPGs likes play-by-post. And so saying to my poor group of friends, hey, you must come do this thing with me. Uh, that's very cruel. And so I think you I think you and I did, you, me, and I think Brian maybe, mm. we're all exchanging a lot of things. Yeah. But I think other than that, it was a relatively stagnant thing. Because the truth of the matter is, if someone was going to find play-by-post, they're not going to find it because you want to have some emails between, between uh, adventures. Yeah. And the second problem that I had is that I didn't run an adventure quickly enough. Uh, that, I think... I think the way to do it if you're going to try to force people into play by post is do the episode first. Yeah. Like the, do the I'm sorry, do the adventure in person first. Yeah. The thing that we that I participated in, I don't think we ever even planned on doing any in person gaming. This was sort of a while our group was a little bit fractured. I think you were in New York yeah, at the time. Was, yeah, I think I was and in so New York. We were, we were spread around. We were attempting to replace our regular campaign with yeah. um with play by post stuff. So. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, it doesn't make sense to make a newer, more complicated system. Like when you are looking at play by post, and I, I do recommend that people try it out because I'm a, I am actually a big fan of it. Uh, skew simple. Don't say we're taking Pathfinder and I'm adding more. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I remember that was interesting was I had a character who was like an elder in a community and it was a fantasy world. And because and mm-hmm. like, so the setting was that the world had broken in some way and we were coming together to rebuild. Um, and the big problems that I just found were knowing where, where to find limits for the character, like what yeah. resources. Cause I remember it being uh, very free form yes. and, and knowing where and how much to write and how much to engage with, which are mm-hmm. probably very basic, like play by post things that you learn quickly that we were just totally unfamiliar with, but could have been problems with the system. So, I think that I think a lot of that was problem with the system. Um, there is definitely some. There are some general amounts that people tend to post, but that also really depends forum by forum. We were in our own little private forum, so yeah. there was nothing to like base it on. But I've been on sites that I've joined a group game, and I was sitting down and chopping out my my solid three or four paragraphs that has kind of like my mental status. With the cool things I'm doing, the what it physically looks like, and maybe a little bit of mechanics. And then the next person would be like, my three lines of stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay. And then the next person writes a mini novella, and then the entire thing falls apart. So, like, you know, it's kind of the same way that you have to calibrate a table. Yeah. That if you have two people at a table, one saying, I swing my sword, and the other saying and now allow me to regale you with some elf song that just sort of describes how I move my feet as mm-hmm. I step five spaces. Yeah. Uh, that won't work. And in the same way, like, I'll be honest, I actually played a game with a big novella style. The, sl- the lightest thing they posted ever was 10 paragraphs and 10, like, chunky paragraphs. And I stopped reading a good quarter of their stuff. <laughs> like I, I'd skim through, uh, but, but, but is my character's name in there? No. Okay. I'll wait until the GM responds to them and use that little summary. That's right there. That's like, um, just a little, just a tangent real quick. <laughs> a um, tangent to go within our tangent. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend, and, and but, it, but it fits within the same okay. context of the that. milieu um, of, um, I highly recommend going to look up, if, if, if you were into history, okay, looking up um, Neil Stevenson and Greg Bear and a whole bunch of other sci-fi authors and and fantasy authors that I read have done this um, Mongoliad uh, project, and it's there's like four or five authors, um, and they work together to write this story, and it's it's called the Mongoliad. It's a public, there's now three or four books, I believe, and they are a historical epic and. 
and they but they but they have a and so they like they are authors who work together in the way that multiple authors sometimes work together to publish okay. books. But they also built this sort of like website forums around it where they oh. encouraged people to come and help build the world out because oh, it, it cool. is a slight alternate history yeah. or it's an alternate interpretation of ancient events Okay, um, around the death of Genghis Khan. And and they have encouraged people to not, not play by post, but write lengthy yeah. short stories. And they've started collecting those short stories. Oh, that's cool. And using the events that happen in those short stories as influences on the books, like the novels they write. That's some cool stuff. It is very cool. And, and I think, um, so you can buy the books and you can read them. And I think there are certain blog posts and short stories that people have written that you can read. But it is like a you pay into the community yeah, and and then you get access to all this stuff, and it's just like if yeah. you were really into like that um, Mongolian Empire, Genghis Khan, Knights Templar era history, but you'd like it to be just a little bit wrong, right? Because the 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 one tweak that they have is in 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 our history, um, and this is just getting into the weeds on this too much, <laughs> this but maybe. but real quickly, the um the uh, Genghis Khan dies of of some disease, and that. And then what what triggers then is they all the his sons have to go back to one place and fight it out and figure out who's going to be the next con of cons. Yeah. And so they said, what if it wasn't disease? What if it was this group of Templar assassins okay. who had to go on this big long journey from Western Europe into the heart of the Mongolian Empire to kill him? Okay. Because it's plausible. There's just kind of like no evidence. There's no to evidence it, to support but it, but there's no evidence to to necessarily just to like yeah. disprove it. Okay. Um, and so it's that kind of like, but everything else is pretty much historically accurate. Yeah. Um, just none of the characters are real. <laughs> it's, it's good. And, I, and I, if you're into historical fiction, it's very good. And I, I just thought that was, that was very similar. And, and, but, but because, because that is getting back to the larger point, it is a way to have, if you have lots of people writing, yeah. but, but you have a, a smaller group of people who are playing a game or writing a novel together, yeah. but using influence of this larger system, uh, building a like they're, they're writing stories in the world that affects things in the world around mm-hmm. you. So actually, that that <laughs> that that weird tangent, which I was just trying to explain a book, brings me back to the way one of the ways you could do this is you could literally have a group of people, a group of people playing a play by post game. Yeah, and then have players play in in that same world, inserting their adventures into that story at certain specific points in the play-by-post timeline. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Um, You'd have to definitely find something that moves the play-by-post faster because if you're having individual conversations in play-by-post, I mean, you can... You can... Yeah. You can go months. You can go months in a single conversation. Right. Well, you wouldn't... I think... But if you were playing something like like a microscope, like a Dawn of Worlds, like... uh, like any of those style of games that are kind of oh um companions tale maybe yeah, not maybe. companions tale maybe. the quiet year maybe noirland no not noirlandia not noirlandia westlandia. westlandia yeah like if you're playing one of those games i could absolutely see how that could uh could work yeah because that would be much much faster time lapse i think if you had some people who are really into it and like, like yeah. a, a, our, our friend Declan is, yeah. is, is, um, is really good into good friend of the show. Um, was one of our GMs for a long time, uh, is really into, uh, history and sort of, he plays a lot of the total war yeah. games. And so if you had some, a bunch of people who were like that, who were really engaged in the sort of big picture, really wanted to not have converse, like not wanted to play by post the conversations yeah. between the rulers, but wanted to talk about army movements or where is the King putting the resources? Yeah. How are they raising this army of wizards? What are they doing in this sort of on the, the, the nation scale? Mm-hmm. You could then have groups of adventurers playing in that world being affected by like oh well in this post the 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 king moved their wizards to the the border because they're worried about this orc onslaught you come over the hill and there's just tons of wizards or the opposite <laughs> yeah or or you go to the wizard's tower looking to find someone to resurrect your friend and there are no wizards yeah, because they've all moved tons of orcs just lots of orcs cuz they moved out in the right direction um and so having the world reshaped like that 
it it's interesting. It's it's definitely well that goes all the way back in RPG history. Yeah. Like um, so in what might be the first Dungeons and Dragons game, or like even preceding Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Dave Arneson's Blackmore was this big castle keep thing that had an enormous underground dungeon beneath it. And he had a bigger meta plot with like invading armies of chaos from the north. And the players decided to just continuously raid the dungeon. The idea was that you raid the dungeon to get cool equipment and powers, and then you fight the army and do things against the army. And they didn't. And so <laughs> so the army just at some point just raided Blackmore and they lost. Uh, so, like, you know, this big overworld metagame has been a big part of everything from the beginning. I mean, if you look back, back people were playing Diplomacy and then using Diplomacy as a way to jump into yeah. smaller, tighter games. I mean, that's my favorite, like, uh, I forget exactly where it falls into the history of things, but they're playing, to, but suppo- supposedly, I forget where I read this story. I think it was part of, um, like, Gygax's early group or something like that, where they're playing Diplomacy and they would start in um or they were playing yeah it must have been diplomacy um but they have the different the different factions in different yeah. rooms and you would be able to send runners like you had to physically send a, a, one of your friends as a scout to go to the other gm at the in, the in another room to get information about what was happening um and their scouts would just stop coming back <laughs> and then <laughs> and then like you and uh and then um they would discover that oh there's like a third army there and then yeah. you have to try to send conversate like send messages to the other ar- to the other army to figure out what they what they were seeing and yeah and could we share information and maybe is there like is there really an alien army here <laughs> in this world war ii battlefield like have has that okay there is there maybe is we okay. should team up and defend earth yeah and then okay we're gonna do that and then, then yeah. we've built this sort of overarching story uh where i got some of the info is just from uh playing at the world by john peterson that is a that is a heck of a book yeah i have spent so many hours reading it and i'm 28 percent of the way through <laughs> and i'm a very fast reader yeah um it's definitely not for people that want like the history in a vague sense yeah it's for the people that read the normal history books and went okay but we can go deeper yeah like well, it has I mean, primary source documents we are at that point where a lot of the people who are involved in the history are still alive yeah or they're the people who learned from them are kicking around well with playing at the world uh john peterson said i'm not going to use any interviews from these people that are still alive because they might be biased now yeah. so he's only using yeah. primary source documents <laughs> that like went back he had to find like it's it's a really cool endeavor hmm, maybe i'll but it's it's so long it's yeah. so long and it's so dense it's written so densely so something that i had thought of so we had kind of, that was kind of just talking about like what if you want to play in a world that feels a little bit more real because there's stuff going on mm-hmm. in the background but if your players actually want to play yeah nations yeah um i'm gonna get out my old drum and say uh, fate would do a really good job because <laughs> you just have like aspect a series of aspects that yeah. represent your country and you have like what is your character like what is your country's like greatest strength what is your character your country's biggest weakness yeah um and then as you are sort of maneuvering and 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 politicking maybe you have scenes and you're playing as like one-off characters and UN ambassadors and that sort of thing okay. um, or Kings and Queens. Like okay. I think you would have to, in, in the kind of the way where if you were going to play like a prolonged campaign of microscope, yeah. you would eventually have to actually use the scene mechanics and yeah. play scenes. <laughs> um, and, and you could do that by just creating characters yeah. uh, that were intentionally one-offs, but inspired by the sort of overarching stories of your, of your, um, of your of your country yeah i can see that a little bit more i was initially having a very hard time picturing that yeah just because i was going like i am peru <laughs> i make trade with somebody yeah i don't yeah it's, allow it's, me um, to sing you three lines of elf song <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I don't, I, it's it's definitely weird and and i would really like to hear a really good um like actual play of people playing this kind of like high level. Yeah. I hear people talk about it all the time and uh, 
but I've never heard like an actual play of what it sounds like. Because do you just talk as the country? Do you talk as do you, yeah. do you spot create characters? Do you like? I think that's seems- how you do it. Um, unless you were doing play by post stuff, in which case maybe you do talk about your country as yourself. Yeah, I pl- I played in a Metatopia playtest of Brendan Conway's. Oh, what's wrong with me? I I think I want to say like Steel Kingdom. Iron Kingdom, something like it's something like that. I'll, I'll see if I can figure it out so we can post it in the show notes. Just tweet at him. I'll just and, tweet at him, uh, except he doesn't have a Twitter. So <laughs> hashtag get Brandon Conway Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Conway on the roof of the Twitter building. <laughs> now Put him doing, on that roof next to those air conditioners. Now we're doing inside jokes of Twitter posts <laughs> that literally nobody liked other than us. Yeah. Um. Okay. But it's like a it's Jane Austen. I think he describes it as Jane Austen meets Game of Thrones meets fairy tales. And so like it has like a fairy, it has like a fae realm and so we had so the the one shot that we did, we were just a bunch of nobles sitting at a table hanging out and talking about the line of succession. And it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And it it felt vaguely Game of Thrones. Uh, but I don't, I'm not sure yet how the rest of that game looks. Cause I guess then it, after that, it's a bunch of different individual meetings, yeah. which doesn't really do not, I think the large scale nation thing that you're talking about. Cause I think it is still machinations for individual things. And like, I'm, I'm picturing, uh, like the Tudors or the Borges yeah. or, but I mean, if you, if that is how, if, if you, if there's a component to that where you have these diplomatic meetings and you're playing a character yeah. and you have you have your your little finger or your varus and you have you have things that you're trying to do or your thumb grand, grander schemes and <laughs> and and then you and then you have some time between your between games maybe yeah. to go say I want to do this thing real quick oh, okay. and I'm trying to put these things in place so that I'm in a better bargaining position next time around yeah or there's some out of like um not as part of a negotiation meetings where maybe i get to have a phone call with you or we we meet up at a bar a different like or in a garden or in a garden whatever (laughs) uh where do i don't know where rich wealthy people uh who are running countries meet yeah i just i just feel like characters from game of thrones meet in gardens uh, on a boat somewhere and then you can say like i'll trade you this like your country really needs this thing we talked about um like the gm explained that there's a famine so you obviously need food yeah i have food what can you give me in exchange and then you have some sort of behind the like backdoor dealings and that sort of stuff i will give your characters in this game all of the food they need yeah. if you buy me a sandwich <laughs> in the real world in the real world right now um and i, I left think- my wallet in the car um i could see that working i could see it working too and and then you just like you sort of have these group bigger that'd be a really fun con game actually where Mm, you have like maybe once or twice a day big meetings of of a group yeah of all of the diplomats yeah and you get to negotiate some things oh what i'm describing here is model un oh you're describing model un no (laughs) which is fine no the model un sounded really fun i never participated in it but it sounded really fun um bringing this back to just the the continuing story of this this episode uh there is a subreddit of people who do uh, like a play-by-post fake model un and they actually have everybody represents a different country and they are a diplomat and they ha- and they pass laws and they pass sanctions and they they do stuff like that and it's and there are people who are really into that kind of political like political law level intrigue James what country are you because i'm going to nuke you for inventing model un <laughs> <laughs> but model un spread out across the course of a convention oh, okay. where you you get time to like to talk to people out of character in character or out of character and and deal behind the scenes of these big meetings yeah but then like then what about the other things you might want to do we do those too i guess i don't know i'm i'm not <laughs> feeling model un i was i was oh, hesitant man. i'm so on board for model I'm un not the on rpg board for model un the rpg <laughs> oh my gosh 
<laughs> oh, it's so good. It sounds atrocious. And this is not meant to throw shade on Model UN because that's a <laughs> that's a fine and dandy thing. But James, if you run Model D, Model UN at Metatopia, I will not be playing. <laughs> All right. So what what other ways can you do this? <laughs> we can just fist fight. No, um, no, no. So I uh. So I think there could be something done in playing things in a very different sort of setting or like not even necessarily using an RPG to handle stuff. And this is going to sound crazy, but civilization, uh, the computer game, you set up a game like that and play X number of turns to just kind of move the clock forward. And there are some fantasy mods if you have to be playing fantasy, but you know, Mm. you can find a mod for whatever you need to be. And that shows like troop movement. It shows technology, technological advances, all sorts of things. It maybe moves a little bit quickly. So you might want to like make it the time span a little bit longer, but I could see that really working. I played a mod of civilization where you played individual cells in a human body you mean Civilization 2? You had that extra CD-ROM that had Maybe, the yeah. uh, the different mods on it? I loved that. The teddy bear one was very bad. Yes. The dinosaur one was very good. Yes. Yeah, I had a collection of like all like two and three or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can see that working because that's, that's where you want, um, you want the, you want something that changes. You want some input. Yeah. Because ultimately what we're searching for here is a way to make, if it's the kind of thing that you're interested in, making the world feel real so that when you sit down around a table to play. Yeah. So I think there's two, so I guess there's two things really. There's there's two, two goals here. There is some people want to play nation states. Yes. And maybe that's a good way to do that. Actually busting out diplomacy or risk might be a good way to do that yeah. too. And then just build in some time to have role playing moments. Um, but if you're the kind of person who just is looking to emulate these sort of nation level movements or faction level uh, interactions to make a world that feels real and lived in so that when your characters go to the, the um, go to wherever the character, the NPC that they're looking to meet isn't always just sitting there waiting for them to show up. Yeah. Kind of video game style like that. That NPC has a, has a job like the King sometimes goes to meetings with other, like sometimes the King will go to other countries. And if you go to talk to the King to tell him that you've done this quest on the day that he's not there, you're screwed, but it will. And so that would be not a great gameplay experience, but would make the world feel maybe more lived in. And so there's, a, I think there's a line you walk there of, of, yeah. of, you can you can create a world that feels lived in in a bad way. We're going to go kill the dragon. Oh, there's an army here. Yeah. Um, the army kills you. They're orcs. Yeah. So, or sometimes there's sometimes you go to kill the dragon and there's five armies. Yeah. If you were looking for a way to mechanically simulate what's happening in a world, then yes, sitting down to play yeah. some civilization, the the, the video game is a great way to do that quickly without having to have a lot of other people there. Cause you could play hot seat or you could play yeah. Robin, but you could also just as the GM go down and, go play, down and play civilization between yeah. your, uh, your adventures. And that would be cool. Um, there's a game. I was just thinking of this. It's kind of more similar to the first one, I guess of the options of talking about like playing just some nation state sort of things. Uh, are you familiar with undying? I've heard the name thrown around. But I do not think that I have actually read the game. It is in that that great category of games that I have not read. That's totally all right. It is. Um, it's currently being published by Magpie Games, but I think it was originally published by Enigma Machinations. And what it is, is you are playing as vampires, demons, werewolves, and other immortal beasties. And game the gameplay is divided into two phases, kind of Night Witch style, where the first phase is the day phase, where uh, decades or centuries or millennia can go by as you're manipulating and doing things from the shadows as a, you know, great old vampire lord. And then there's the night phase where you get together and throw down uh, Urban Shadows style or... Uh, I guess uh, World of Darkness style, where it's like, okay, 
now we're going to fight each other or now we're going to like really put these grievances out in the open and see how, uh, how politics shift and change. So that gives an opportunity to have some part in how the world is going and also to just define some of history as a player as well. So yeah, so that's what Undying does, which means that you do get vampire adventure stuff where you get to like throw somebody and then hurl yourself across the room and at them and yeah. hold them against the wall. The best kind. Yeah, that's the one of the two stories that vampires get to have. Uh, and you also get to hide in the background and say like, oh, I trick the Roman leader into doing this. And then it's like, okay, now we zoom forward to New York City in the year 2005. So let's talk about, there's a second half of this conversation, which I think I just hinted at a little bit, which is that if you were not actually looking to play the nation states, right? but you were just looking to have a world that feels built, like lived in, yeah. so that things can kind of move around. Well then, so there's, there's kind of two big hurdles. Yeah. One, do you as the GM want to involve other people? Okay. Do you want to have let the players have in influence over what happens? Yeah. Or are you going to go to some other thing like a game of civilization to yeah. get some input? Like what is going to be that input that generates the content? Right. Um it, so the, so that the players are involved in what's coming what's going on. Are they aware of these changes that happen? Or are you or are you just going to go do them by yourself? Like, are you rolling on a table? Are you coming up with it on your own? Like traditionally that like a, and D GM might just go and decide. Yeah. And then come there back. So many war supplements for D and D. And you would just do those things and you'd come back and like, if the players, the players didn't have a way of knowing about it. Yeah. And so they would just find out when they got there. Yeah. Uh, and I think, and so that leads us right into the second hurdle, which is that that doesn't create necessarily really good playing moments because you will like have those moments where the characters have trudged across this countryside for three sessions mm-hmm. only to discover that the king that they were going to meet isn't there because he's gone off on some other like diplomatic meeting and that's that's realistic because kings that sometimes do that yeah but he's not fun so i think that there's kind of two big ways to do the living world in that sort of like not playing the world way one of them is to basically just write down what's going to happen and just sort of have it as a thing that this is what's going to occur. I want to set this into this sort of thing. Yeah. In which case, you're basically making set pieces and there's nothing wrong with making set pieces. If you're coming to the end of a session and they've just successfully done a whole bunch of stuff, they've just defeated the frost giants, they're coming over to the last mountain that's going to just allow them to get to the king and finally get their reward and it's going to be amazing. And they look out and you describe in just like a little bit of detail the city besieged before them. Yeah. And then you say, and that's where we cut it for tonight. Like that's a cool moment yeah. and it makes the world feel alive uh, without it having to actually be alive in any sort of way. The other way to do it is by putting them more involved in what's going down. Um, so if you're aiming for more of like a Wheel of Time sort of feel, that the characters are not necessarily statesmen. But they're being swept up by the, the moves of the people who are. Exactly. And they're, and things that they do make a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, maybe on your actions cause... Uh, cause you pull on the, on the pattern and yeah. cause big events to occur because if you which is which makes sense because if you're the the chosen one or the group of friends around the chosen one and you are traveling the countryside as a band of adventurers doing things well you're you're screwing around with the standard way things do yeah uh by doing them differently and that the king's gonna get pissed off or the queen will get pissed off and they'll send their armies or they'll be like whoa uh, men shouldn't be doing magic. Um, yeah. Let's send some some women from our tower and try to stop you or bring you back and understand you. And you could even do some things with like setting up some countdown clocks. Yeah. And saying, you know, uh, once you've marked this countdown clock three times, you've drawn the attention of this country. I think you could do that. Like besides just setting big set pieces, like I know that like I want to have three three uh, three sessions in the city become besieged by this other army or whatever you could just do sort of like apocalypse world style agendas yeah but 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 not for the party but sort of for the world 
And you could say, maybe we are, we're pushing towards famine or like, I want to bring in stories of, of siege. And in little ways you could have that reflect downward. Yeah. So to give hints that it's about to occur and then eventually have it happen when it feels right for the story. One thing that Apocalypse World has in pretty major ways in the, uh, in the GM information is fronts. I don't think I know fronts. Yeah, that that is, it's something that I that I use in the background and haven't shown you guys. But additionally, we haven't played an enormous amount of things, kind of through to completion. Yeah. Uh, but in Apocalypse World, you have, uh, you have these fronts that are connected to threats. So a threat is a big bad. It's someone. It is something that is going to directly be an effect uh but the front is kind of the larger scale story and thematic element so i think if i've got this right because I'm, I'm pulling this up just very quickly uh each front has a fundamental scarcity so it's hunger thirst envy ambition fear ignorance decay and despair mm-hmm. and so the front is about one of those things and you then have the threats that connect to that and then the front essentially moves in through play. And each front has connected to it what will happen if the front isn't confronted and dealt with. Yeah. So if you if you are in Blackmore and you don't deal with the with the threats of the orcs coming in, the army of chaos is yeah. going to conquer completely in in the end. And then you have countdown clocks that tell you basically what are the different uh, what are the different settings that you get to as things come along. Yeah. So like when and like the countdown clock is it's honestly just a just a line of checkboxes if you're getting real you know if you're looking at it in a legitimate yeah, way. Yeah. But having it as a countdown clock is nice because then you can say, hey, when it's nine o'clock. Things are bad. We're coming on. We're coming on midnight. Yeah. And then when midnight happens, that's when you, that dark future happens. I think that that is a good way of dealing with the creating bad story moments. Yeah. Because you can have, you could say in in this chunk of the clock, the like these are the things that you will experience. Yeah. Because this front is coming on, or if there is an oncoming army, yeah, then like you should first start to see like the random orcs showing up in town because they're scouts. And you then, should experience some dissidents in the yeah, street. And then, and then like maybe at, at half, at like half, like halfway through the, the clock, suddenly like the like, people are more of the people you interact with are talking about having a hard time finding food. And, yeah. and then by like, by uh, like a quarter, of, like a quarter of the hour, like you're starting to run into, um, people who are fleeing the army other people like more hooligans and, and other groups and and yeah. uh, refugees are running from the army and they're coming in and so you like so you can start to you can figure out what's going on yeah because because again that moment where you get into town and the king is just gone that's boring that's boring the but, moment where you get into town and you're like we have the head of a dragon and the guardsmen push you away from the door and say there is no time for this yeah. the king is very busy or or, or that's great um, that's great can we eat it like yeah. we need some food can we yeah. can you eat a dragon hand that's a much more um, interesting and time and then you're like why are you so concerned about food like what's yeah. going on here that that's that's how you ease like because again i think i think that from a character point of view those big faction level char- like the entities shouldn't move fast yeah and the the faces of those entities the 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 kings and stuff and such they shouldn't just disappear quickly like yeah because king because like while kings do go to to dinners with their 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 um to with with counterparts with, with their counterparts yeah. yeah um they start by like like in game of thrones like those characters don't just like frequently um gallivant off gallivant off like they they send ravens they send seconds they send yeah. other people who you might uh their their generals their armies they send other people who represent them and then when work when like when when it comes down to it they will eventually meet but there are yeah. characters that still on game of thrones have not met yeah um and like so th- um like uh Cersei and Harry Potter, yeah, haven't met yeah, yet. Not once, not a single time. 
despite the fact that their interests are very much opposed to each other. Yeah, and that their sons went to school together. Yeah. <laughs> and Elspeth is going to murder me. <laughs> um, so a thing that's interesting, and I think that is an is beginning to be an interesting way to handle this, Yeah, uh, is Blades in the Dark. I don't, okay. I don't want to get into too much of the, like the details of Blades in the Dark. We have drowned ourselves in the minutia of Blades in the Dark probably three or four episodes, and I think you just had to take a hatchet to those. So um, we're going to try real hard not to get into that. But also because I just don't like I don't think that the exact details of matters their much. rule matters much. But the yeah. big picture of how they do things is very interesting. Yeah, because like when you are like so in Blades of the Dark, you are playing in a fantasy setting. You are playing a group of of a thieving guild or some kind of a some kind of an illicit society of of individuals. And so obviously one of the things that you have to deal with is how much heat is on you. How much do the how much yeah. do like the whatever the police force is? How much do they care about you? And so as fallout from actions you take in the game, you generate heat. Yeah. And then those, those, that heat makes it harder for you to do the sort of uh, maintenance activities that illicit societies of individuals have to do. Right. And this is, uh, I'm realizing we didn't say the name. This is Blades in the Dark by John Harper. Yeah. It's, it's, on, it's in bookstores everywhere. Yeah. I was just seeing that they have a couple, uh, this will be way too late, but they have a couple more of the like really nice glossy special edition okay. uh, versions of the hardcover book at Gen Con. Oh, so if so, you are at Gen Con and are listening to this yeah, go right over there earlier, pick them up. Go right now. Unfortunately, if you're listening to this well after Gen Con has ended, uh, I'm really sorry. You should have listened to this earlier. <laughs> if you are uh, in the Lake Geneva area after Gen Con, look for backpacks that were abandoned. Yeah. And uh, if you see something, say something. But and if you see Blades <laughs> in the Dark in a glossy hardcover, steal it. Pay, pay someone for it. Leave some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave some money. But uh, and so and so one of the things that you that comes out of it is there's there is a role that you do bet- at the end of every session because like I, I like session end moves me too they're kind of an interesting way to sort of sum things up yeah and and that doing this sort of like um, I actually forget if you do it at the session end or at the session at the session beginning um, but because we kind of did it in between yeah uh, but you do this role that incorporates some things about how much heat you have and things you may have done during the adventure, which say, uh, which then you look, you like you roll a couple times and you look at some charts and they tell you like, well, this, this faction now dislikes this faction a little more. Yeah. And the, like you've like the police are on your tail. And, and I think that is an interesting starting point. Yeah. Um, I, I was not like largely, um, just like won over by it. Yeah. Because I think that the minutia of tracking, like, dozens and dozens of factions is not necessarily the right way but i like the concept of this like you have heat there's like people are looking out for you guys in particular um and even if you even if you all disguise yourself as a rival gang and then do stuff well like there's still police looking for them so if you look like a gang member they may come after you regardless um and having this sort of like i like the idea of of things happening that are relevant to the story and tracking that between sessions. Yeah. Something that I would really be interested in seeing, and this is just because I'm living in masks. Yeah. I, um, I we are, we are, we are both living games. in masks. I don't know about you, but I've been listening to three different masks, actual play podcasts currently. So, but what I would like is a, so like when you sit down to play that first event, like one of the things that masks talks about when you are reading the, like how to GM is they tell about, they talk about when you play that first session, like instantly throwing you into combat because you want to like get people in and doing cool, um, superhero things. (laughs) Don't talk about that. (laughs) Um, cool superhero things pretty fast. Yeah. And, and that's great for like the first adventure, but maybe like two yeah. or three adventures in, if you're always just entering on combat, and that can now get you're boring. fighting cheese man. Um, an interesting alternative beginning thing, yeah, would be some kind of an opening move where you maybe roll on a table with some influence, almost like an act. Like you know, actually, what would be a good way to, to incorporate this in? Or to co- Is there uh, been shadows? No, I was going to say lasers and feelings. 
Oh. In the way that Lasers and Feelings has a, you roll a D6 a couple times, and it says, this villain is doing this thing, and, like, for this reason. And then you could create... um, you could create some sort of like f- quick fictional battles between the adult heroes yeah, uh, that have gone on in the background between your adventures and propose them in the form of newspaper articles. I could make that in our wiki, yeah. I think, because I'm, I'm relatively certain I know how to do randomized elements within the wiki. Mm-hmm. And so I can just put in all the adult characters we come up with and also some like invent a new character yeah results Let, let's try doing that let's yeah. make that a thing and i and actually and i can do <laughs> and like getting into the the, the nitty-gritty of podcasting it's really easy to throw on like an old-timey newscaster audio tone over your voice Ooh. and so if you wanted to do some of that we could definitely do that and you could like open some episodes with some newspaper article stories i would or radio stories that, of what has gone on in the background with these major heroes what are the big heroes fighting each other about what are they doing yeah. Um, and if that could, and then you, and then, and you, and then obviously what you'd want to do is as the GM, you'd want to have these things think those big things happen and then only tell the players about them if they do relate to what you are, like what's going on in the story. Like, cause that's ideally the way, like the big movings and shakings of these nation level factions or like giant superheroes that are pillars of the community. Like they should only be, they're only really they're useful if they're relevant. Yeah. Otherwise they are distractions. Yeah. But as a GM, you could roll up a couple of these things and then sort of tweak them a little bit. Yeah. Um, by your agendas and guidelines and stuff to make them fit into what's going on in your story. Crackdown just fought crackdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that is something that we can implement. Let's try that out. See yeah. how that works. Because I definitely do want to give the feeling of, stuff going on because our because our game is not just the story of these teenagers it is going to be the broader uh comics world where we tap into different games and stuff like that this is getting too much into the nitty-gritty of that (laughs) but i like but a a thing that you could do so like one of the things that is going on in our in our podcast with this podcast we're planning yeah is that we are going to have a rotating group of players yeah of multiple sizes and and so that not every player will be in it. And this is the thing we do in our home game, too. Yeah. Not every player will be in every game. And, and it's a thing they do in comics, also. You'll yeah. be reading X-Men, and abruptly, it's mostly just Wolverine and Cyclops. And so setting up, like, little newspaper articles from the point of view of a journalist who maybe heard or witnessed part mm-hmm. of the events of that adventure creates a cool little history of the world. And you could use that to... like, And so... So this is, I guess, the 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 third or fourth, whatever number we're on now. Other way of handling this is the that things that like if you played in a world that has multiple player groups, yeah, then the things that those players do will eventually affect the other players, perhaps on a nation level, like because yeah, because if if like we in one adventure sit down and we destroy a museum, well then. When the next group plays, a couple, if it's set sort of close pro- Some, time yeah. proximity, um, well, maybe all the firefighters are off trying to put out this, like, figure out what's going on with the the fires in this this museum, or they're trying to like, there's there's government resources dedicated to to cleaning up the rubble of this building that we've destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and, and so they can use that as an opportunity to do something else or as a disadvantage because now they don't have backup. Yeah. And the two groups have influenced each other because by the groups acting, the large factions have had to react. Yeah. Did you ever play any MUDs? Not really, no. Okay, so I'm going to real quick summary. Uh, MUDs, multi-user dungeons, or right. multi-user... Uh, there's... MU something. There's a billion different things. It's yeah. basically these text-based games that you play online. It's all happening simultaneously with a bunch of other people playing online at the same time. I used to play one that was kind of like a Greek era game. I think we talked about these back in the um, the multi-table oh, episode. I think so. We've probably talked about it a couple of times. Yeah. I used to be a huge fan of MUDs. It's made my my typing speed P- Puddle of Mud? But back back I, when you are into mud. I was a huge fan of Puddle of Mud. Thank you very much. <laughs> don't don't you dare try to throw shade on me. What was I saying? Oh, so I played this game. It was like a Greek sort of game, but it was very slice of life. And so like you might play a character that is like a tailor. Yeah. 
And I had a character when I first joined in the game that was like a priest, like he was secretly a priest of a god that no one really worshipped and like was kind of like a, you're not supposed to worship him. But a noble had recently like uh, basically baptized his child into, into that faith. And so there was this huge event happening in the game because a player made a decision and so me as a new player hopping onto the scene, uh, suddenly there was like there were all of these like big messages coming out as like news bulletins that would you'd be able to read as a player that would say like, hey, we're in the middle of deep winter and that hasn't happened for a long time and there's three feet of snow. And I was like, okay, this is super weird. I'm not allowed to leave my house. I just started this game. And so I like prayed to this god because my character did that and the god just responded which I assumed was like a regular part of the game and didn't learn for like a couple of weeks that that wasn't super normal and it was just because a player had set off a whole bunch of events. Huh. Uh, that was such a cool game. I It, it shut down a while ago amid uh, scandal and mm. trouble. But it was a very cool, uh, very cool system because you would have these things that someone said, I'm making this decision. Um, like yeah. at one point there were nine clans and one of them, my character's wife abruptly decided, like basically sparked a revolution <laughs> and we just had abruptly we were, we weren't a, we weren't going to be run by nobility anymore. We were going to be a democracy and you know, six months of game later, half the, half the clan was, was yeah. dead, but we were a democracy. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I think I love that game. I think that is the, I think that is sort of the solution to how do you do these big faction like nation level stuff. Yeah, in a way that is that is interesting and creates cool story moments, Mm -hmm. which is that you can like always like if if the king is gonna leave the castle to go talk to somebody, it should be to talk to another player. Yeah, and if that is another player in another group, then that's fine. But if mm-hmm. the king is just going to talk to another character... That's an NPC. That is an NPC because you've decided. Well, then that yeah. isn't a character-focused event. Yeah. The, the, like Because again, this is just gets back to sort of some basic-level GMing stuff, which is that yeah. you want the, the world to, to feel real but actually be fake. Yeah. You want it to react to the players. Yeah, because the, char- the players need to be the main characters. It's like, it's like the apocalypse world thing of be a fan of the players yeah if you are if the players have gone through all of this trial and tribulation tribulation to meet with the king and the king is gone because you just kind of felt like it that's not being a fan of the players that's being a fan of you yeah and that's boring and (laughs) if you want to do that just play alone like there's plenty of writing exercises you can do on your own be a fan of the players love the players be into what they are doing and that that i think is maybe if I could distill my gaming philosophy into one thing, yeah. it's be excited about the characters. And and I'm so excited for our mass characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that because we're going to do some interesting things. Um, Hopefully. I'm, uh, going gonna, gonna to do an upcoming episode that sort of dovetails with this a little bit where I wrote a hack of Microscope. It was fun. That is specifically designed. It's a weird hack. And it it's actually a thing that I want to talk about maybe on a larger scale because it's specifically designed to to bridge microscope and masks. Yeah. And it's designed to... Because like the, the, the quick and dirty of it is microscope is a game that lets you create backstory or, uh, or timelines. And I tweaked it in a specific way to let it... Cr- to help you create uh stuff for masks yeah uh, so that you like you come out with not just a timeline but also like things you can take and literally use in your first adventure of the game yeah. characters and npcs and settings and stuff like that yeah it was a lot of fun and then we played um, it yeah we did and that's yeah. gonna come up on this feed at some point and yeah i think do we know the next two yeah episodes so of I, Stop I, think, and roll? I think we do actually so i think this the, is weird i know so the next episode of step back and roll will be about my game about the uh, i called it signal light yeah. i believe as the, like like the bat signal i'm still working on that title a little bit but it will be talking about light. the masks game uh and and then that game that we ran and then the episode after that corresponding with its release on the new new feed we're going to come up with mm-hmm. for this new podcast uh is that masks or that that microscope game 
um, which is the beginning of our masks universe. So it'll be kind of an interesting um, see the world and, and we'll talk about the game or we'll talk about the game and you can talk and we'll talk about uh, what, what I was thinking about when I helped, when I, when I made, when I wrote the thing and then we will probably talk a little bit about what we learned because I learned a lot from playtesting just that first game. And then the next, next uh, two weeks later, you'll get to see the game in action and, and then we'll move on. This this really this clicked, I think, very well. All right, so so tweet at us and talk to us on Twitter uh, about really anything. But yeah. um, ask us about the masks game. We are entering a phase where we are sort of rounding the last corner of that uh, that big hike we've had to releasing this new podcast. So uh, we'll we'll tell you a little bit more about it, maybe. Yeah, um, Brandon will tell you more than I will. Yeah, James will give like vague ideas, and I'll excitedly babble. I, so <laughs> I posted a, a pic, uh, an unmarked picture of partial Gantt <laughs> chart of the for the release of our product or the release of our podcast. Yeah, I have been consistently just babbling about it, saying all sorts of stuff. You can find us on Twitter as at stop hack and roll or you can find me individually as at end the meltdowns and if you want those hot deets check me out at dr captain kobold you can also find all of our episodes links to some of the games we've been working on and a couple more little things and if i can convince james uh a a bigger detail once i get it done at uh www.stophackandroll.com you can email us uh, if that is the form of communication that you prefer the most at either James or Brandon at stopbackandroll.com. And if you want to help other people find the show, consider going on iTunes and leaving us a rating and a review. The way the search algorithms work, it really helps to boost us up if uh, we've got those nice five-star reviews, although this may be a three-star episode. We make this podcast with the support of Patreon backers like Stephen Mitchell, Rob Harvey, Fee Brower, Declan Chadbourne, Blake Ryan, Anthony Nomorosa, Ryan, Troy Pitchelman, Riverhouse Games, Randy Lubin, Nick Clark, Robert Kosick, and Rob Abrazado. Uh, if you can't support us financially or don't feel like supporting us financially, we absolutely understand that. Uh, but please consider joining our community and kind of just being a part of that discussion. Uh, we really thrive on and really get so much out of having the community so accessible and so much in contact with us like this episode i mean this episode is very much inspired by speaking with the discord and seeing what people are interested in talking about and there's going to be a bunch of future episodes that have that same sort of thing uh our discord is at tinyurl.com slash shr discord or discord.stophackandroll.com it's basically like a little chat room you can hop on uh, I'm going to be running more Masks games because I want to improve my knowledge of the moves for Masks. So, as you're carrying the ring into Mordor, only to find that a battalion of French troops have crested over Mount Doom, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. I'm so tired. Oh, I cut everything that makes me sound bad. And I want a grilled cheese with bacon so badly. Um, I need you to get me one, too, and then drive back. So, real quick story, because I just want to tell you this. Um, I've talked before about the role-playing class I took in college, I think. Yes. And one of the sections of it was, the the section I really liked more, was we played Ancient Greece. We actually played the Council of Athens. Okay. And we all had roles, and we all had goals we had to achieve. Yeah. And we were actually playing, not quite Model UN, but we did have to pass laws. I mean, it was was partially a history class. Okay, yeah. Um, And and so, like, I had, I was a medic, so, uh, meaning I was a non, I wasn't a citizen of Greece because I was from somewhere else. Oh, okay. But I was a wealthy merchant player. Uh, and so I had to sort of buy my way into citizenship. And and like other people were different things. One of the characters was the sort of, um, she was a, a, a woman who was disguising herself as a man to try to 
get laws passed to give women citizenship and the right to okay. vote and sort of yeah. thing, that sort of thing. Um, and we did all these different things. And un- unbeknownst to us, one of the players, uh, their goal was to take over. Okay. And so she reached out to uh, the, the the guy who was running the class, the professor, and proposed that she would communicate with the army of Sparta. Okay. And, and arranged for them to be able to get through the city gates and march into the city and take over. And so on the last day of class, with most of us thinking we had achieved our goals, she comes in after having been late. Okay. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. With um, two lacrosse players who were also Latin students that the professor had arranged to show up representing uh, Spart- the Spartan, Spartan army yeah. and took over. That's amazing. And it was it was cool and it was in character. Yeah. It really sucked because I didn't achieve my goal yeah. and I will never talk to Audra again. Uh, Fair. That's not not entirely true, but I, I uh I will never forget how she wronged me. Yeah. Um but it was just an interesting like That is awesome. Uh, players moving in the background and yeah. she had had all these conversations and she had written because like part of the thing was we were supposed to be doing a lot of writing yeah um and so she had looked into like what were the historical conversations between athens and sparta looking like at the time and sort of writing hey, boy <laughs> yeah um and what could she do to convince sparta to come and take over yeah um and i'm sure it was That's thrilling for her and it yeah. was it was a good mix of like um players and factions moving in the background yeah also like it really sucked yeah because the rest of us like i had gained citizenship yeah uh and then then now i didn't have citizenship because nobody had citizenship we were all slaves to sparta um and i actually had at some point uh sponsored the building of a trireme okay so i kind of peaced out on my ship so i canonically survived but a lot of people did not